to the Impeccable Perspective Podcast, where we help you discover gospel clarity and openness in a new way by letting go of the culture and finding your truth while having some fun doing it. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Peck and Luann Roundy. All right, everyone, welcome back. Here we are uh, on our podcast. Another week, another episode. That seems to be a recurring theme that we have in our <laughs> in our lives here, our podcast lives here, but that's exactly how we want it. And we are happy to uh, continue bringing you the good news of the gospel mingled with smartassery. And <laughs> <laughs> I think that comes more from your side. Okay, I'll own that part of it. I may be a little more gentler and kinder, a, 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 little, a little more bit. of a, a soft more, sell. A little more doctrinally appropriate. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we'll let Joe take the other role on, yeah. on that side well, of it. That's, that's the yin and yang of this podcast. Exactly. That's how it works so well. We balance each other out and... Uh, I'll be that voice of logic and uh, sarcasm, and uh, <laughs> and you can be the voice of the gospel. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Indeed. So we are uh, continuing on here, uh, still motivated by our most recent general conference. There's been several talks uh, that we've uh, really uh, like, and uh, we want to kind of continue sort of um, to disseminate uh, this information and bring it to you uh, along with our opinions and point of view, our perspective, if you will. And I think really try and what we try and work with is talks that we were touched by that meant something to us because conference is great. Joe and I've talked about this, you know, you don't have to sit for six hours on Saturday and four hours on Sunday and that's all you get until a month and a half later. It's now listening, growing, feeling, asking, being open to, uh, and as we continue to read these and ponder and pray and be open to them, more comes that we'd like to share to find truth. I think that, again, we're back to finding truth and, Joe always says value, value in what what's out there. And we add value. That's the, there are people, <laughs> that is the idea. But there are people out there that are leading and really voicing their opinions and taking what's said and twisting it and turning it, and we want to get back to what's really said and again it's our opinion and that we state that it is our opinion but back to the true doctrine that's presented it is all about truth right and i mean you know the gospel is meant to be very simple and it's meant to be understood by a child essentially and you know as grown-ups we complicate things we think things have to be uh, more in depth than they really are because it's how we justify our own intelligence for example and you know it's hard to believe that things can be super simple something as important as the salvation of mankind could be so simple wow. and we're back to the i think of the brass serpent that came to me last night whenever we were you know studying this that these people because we're in the old testament again we're in the flowery part of our gospel study this year and these people are bidding, being bitten by these fiery serpents, and you know they have the serpent on the brass pole, and they say, all you have to do is look at the serpent, and they're like, what? That's just too simple. There's no way. I just got bit by a snake, which to me would be pretty terrifying to be bit by some fiery serpent. That sounds like instant death to me. Yeah, you know, and I'm, and I'm sure it was painful, but... and they're thinking, I'm going to die. But all you have to do is look to the pole and look at the serpent, and they're like, nope, too easy. Nope, I'd rather die than didn't just follow. But it's literally what we're seeing in these last days. I'd rather spiritually die than look to something so simple because there's got to be more to it. I got to make it more complicated and more my intelligence or what I believe my intelligence to be has made up this story and this big flowery you know, um, 
created a big something bigger than life that I've got to follow in order to get back to the celestial kingdom or to get back to Heavenly Father or whatever it is that my story is about, as opposed to it's very small and simple. And it is. We lose sight of that. I don't understand why. I, I think part of it is there's a lot of forces out there, let's say, that are trying to complicate things because they want to sort of derail this whole gospel message. And uh, there's a lot of, um, you know, different churches, for example, and they all are fighting for uh, their message to be out there and trying to attract people to their own uh, church and, and all these things. There's just a lot of complicated moving parts with it when it was never really meant to be like that. And we just want to cut through all of that. And, and you know, in our church, in the LDS faith, we talk every week about uh, the culture of our church and how, in my opinion, that is fulfilling that role where it is complicating things. It's misguiding people, misleading people right. in, in a way that isn't obvious. That's the problem is these people are under the impression that what they're being told is true because of who is saying it. And they just are kind of being misled and things are super complicated as a result. But that's where the natural man part comes in is they make their own opinion and then they want to force it on everyone else. And the culture drives people away because it's not the truth and they don't, they're judgmental in that way. We've talked about that. What I see is people wanting to believe in something bigger than what is presented and they get pulled. There's such a pull away, not only hey, we're, we're going to let you choose whatever church you want to go to, but hey, you go to our church and now we're going to prove to you that it's not true. And we're going to pull you away because, oh, this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong and this isn't true. And it's just interesting. There's a lot of people within the faith that are pulling others away with their belief systems. Well, I've said this before. That's the motivation of the whole podcast for me. I mean, when I came up with the idea of it, it was because of the problems with the culture of the church because of how damaging it is and because internally we are driving people, our own members, away from our church because of the narrative that we are, that's being told, which is false and wrong. And that I said, hey, something needs to be done about this. We need to have that voice. We need to get back to the actual, just the pure gospel principles. We need to dissolve the culture and move that out of the way and just focus on simple gospel principles the way that they're meant to be, to be, be, yeah. And and bring people back into the truth. Exactly. In no way, shape or form, draw them away. And every time it's coming back to those simple truths that are given, whether it's a boundary, you know, setting boundaries or faith or, you know, whatever we talk yeah. about, coming back to the gospel. Well, it's all about reprogramming, I think, too, because people have grown up in the church with all this false programming, again, from the culture, and they have this problem with the <laughs> I, church, right? Yes, I have a great story about this. Okay, go this for is, it. It's cute. So there's a sweet, <laughs> sweet sister in our ward that passed away this Not week. Not interested already. <laughs> she oh, said sweet. She's, you know what that means. No, no, you know no. what sweet spirit means. Meaning, you know. she's just one of the kindest, nicest, but man, she knew the doctrine and she was forceful. <laughs> like when I would teach gospel doctrine, she'd raise her hand, Sister Roundy, and she would just like tell it like it is, but with all the gospel truth. Love this lady. She passed away this week, which was good. She just wasn't well. Her husband passed away long ago and she just you know wanted to be back with him, but this was so cute. One of the ladies from our ward went to see her in hospice and she said, now what I really want, and I want to make sure this happens. And I'm for my funeral, I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be doctrinally like, you know, I want this preached. She goes, I really want ham and cheesy potatoes served at. That was it. Yeah. That was her dying request. <laughs> because it's bed. part of the culture that whenever. Oh, yeah. Funeral the, potatoes. That's it. But she didn't say funeral potatoes. Oh, she didn't. No. Oh, that's what they're called. But they are. But I well, think, in Utah, that's what they're called. No, they're called funeral potatoes down here too. And if you're in the culture, you 
get that one. Yeah. But I thought it was cute that she went right back to the culture of got to have ham and... It's ingrained it, in she's people. potatoes. It, <laughs> and then I turned to my husband and I said, and she's such a kind lady. She picked the best week to do it because it's Easter and ham is plentiful right now. That's a good point. Yeah. Wow, just like that. Um, yeah, that, that's it is really funny. That, that It is interesting to see. But people are just, again, it's a programming and, you know, you... you kind of hate to say that because you you think about cults and you think about kool-aid right you think about when you talk about programming like that and it's it's not you know like that in, in a sense but it is programming because people are wired a certain way to believe and these things are triggers right i mean people mm-hmm. automatically go back to that cultural thing because that's what they've always known and there's i mean you know these these traditions can be innocent of course but at the same time, there's a lot of destruction that goes along with it because the culture also teaches other things that are very damaging that drive people away. Specifically, if you don't follow this path that we tell you you're supposed to be on, you don't belong here. And that's, that is the subtext of what gets told in a very loving way. But people aren't stupid. Like They can read the subtext. Well, they can feel. They can feel because, it, Because, yes. again, the majority of our communication is done non-verbally through facial expression, through body language. And whenever they feel unaccepted because inside this person's mind, they're thinking, oh, you did this, I don't love and accept you because you're not fitting what I see them as the mold of what the perfect LDS person, or we'll say Mormon, perfect Mormon person is, that they can feel and sense that, and that's where they really don't want to be at church anymore because... Right. And it's, that's, that's where it's destructive. That's the destructive part of it for me. And I saw that, uh, you know, as a convert to this church and I spent 20 years, uh, in the, you know, the culture crucible, which is Utah, <laughs> which is where the, I think from my experience anyway, where the culture is the, the worst in that, in that case. But I do see elements of the culture everywhere you go. I think right. where there's an LDS kind of bleeds out it kind of does it just because again these things get adopted uh from wherever and it just sort of gets infiltrated throughout everywhere but it is is it's very cultural uh in utah because of the high population of mormons there in the state which is unique to anywhere else in the world but it really opens your eyes to what's going on there and i just realized how destructive this is and, and how it's just wrong it's getting away from the actual truth and it's just so obvious and people are just so caught up in the traditions of the father that they're missing out on the gospel and more importantly they are turning people away and driving people away because of the judgment and the shame mm-hmm. uh, and so that was all the motivation to want to get our podcast out there and, and get the message out there and, and that's we're here just to focus on the actual truth and it's for everyone we you know a big goal with us here is to bring people back to the church to help them realize you know you are okay just the way you are you don't have to be on a certain particular path at this point. You may want to get on that path later. You may want to stay in the path you're on. You still have a place in the church. Right. You still have a place in the gospel. God still loves you. And it's okay to be who you are. And, you know, you don't have to leave and lose all of these wonderful experiences because other people are judging you. That's completely wrong. And and that all are welcome. You know, everyone completely. is welcome. It says that on, on the right church, on the every church building, everyone. Visitors welcome. And, and. And I'm in the ward, and I and I don't need anyone to tell me what to do or what I need to choose or not choose. I'm going to do that on my own and mm-hmm. try not to push or pull me in that direction. And we're seeing, 
uh, a lot of, I mean, this is interesting because it, just this alone, just the the contention that's out there, the uh, the different points of view, there's a lot of confusion out there uh, because of, A, we're in the last days, and this is all just ramping up like it's supposed to, but also with technology. Everyone has a voice now. Every individual has a voice no matter where you are, and you can get your opinions out there and create a following, and you can you know be someone that, for good or for bad, that you can you know, get a, a tribe to believe in what you're saying. And that's whenever they want them to follow them and not follow well, yeah. the prophet. And that's where I have a problem. Follow me. Don't listen to what they say and what they say. Well, we're going to twist that a little bit or we're going to make it into what's comfortable for us. It's never that way. And that's the talk that we're going to talk about today is Elder Renlund's talk, Your Divine Nature and Eternal Destiny, which is a wonderful title that all of us have a divine nature and eternal it's destiny. It's very encouraging. For everyone. It is, every single person, that's right. It is, and, and we all should take uh, wonderful comfort in, in knowing that we all have an eternal destiny, and I think the best part of that is we get to choose our eternal destiny. Really, right. it is up to us, and that's the plan of agency. And that's why we came here, is to be able to Completely. determine how. what am I going to choose? How am I going to choose to live my life? And that will determine... Decisions determine destiny. Like that's where we're going to go at that point. That's another t-shirt idea. Yes. Decisions Write determine that one down. destiny. Yes. <laughs> so he takes the young woman's theme and it's interesting. This meeting used to be called the Relief Society meeting. And again, the church is changing and melding things. And they talk about how the gospel is unchanging, but meetings will change. Titles will change things that are, you know, within the Lord's workings that it's now, especially for the sisters, because they felt a need to be able to speak to them. He was the last speaker. And in my mind, probably the strongest message out of all that were given along with Oak's introduction into this, that we love you. And because we love you, we want you to understand the truths of the gospel and, and follow them out of love for heavenly father. And the more you follow them, the more that you will bring happiness and joy to your life. So he talks about the young women's theme, which is changing. Again, it's changed drastically from when I was in young women's, but it starts out, I'm a beloved daughter of heavenly parents, and I'd like to add or son with a divine nature and eternal destiny. And this has four important, four important truths. First of all, you're an eternal beloved daughter or son. Nothing, you, and he says this point blank, nothing you do or do not do can change that we all are eternal beings that's i mean that's a wonderful doctrine for me because it's hard to believe when we're going through life and the challenges we face right and the things we're told and the things we see and the things we experience it's sometimes difficult to understand that we are eternal being and and especially if we don't have that doctrine in our lives in our religion i mean you know growing up catholic i never understood that well, concept whatsoever or, or even if you have an, a belief in um that we're gonna there's nothing after this or that we're reincarnated that i don't become an eternal being i just come back to earth and just keep living a different life over and over that isn't that's groundhog day yeah but Which, it's not truth that i have this eternal destiny and that god loves me no matter what i do because of being this spiritual son or daughter sometimes we may not feel as love but it's always there and that's what i continue to understand and teach clients is god's love is all around us. The thing that blocks it is my belief system or my sin. So it's either my belief system that I'm not worthy of receiving his love because I've shamed myself. There's something wrong with me. I'm not good enough. I don't measure up. And I block it because I have built this literal fortress around myself like a brick wall 
or you can think of it like those turrets that they build in castles where it's all around me. And I, like a moat. Uh, right. And, and you could, well, what's even better is when you build a turret and a moat with the moats around it with alligators in it so that no one's going to come, oh, yeah. come near totally. you because I'm protecting myself. Because whenever I have experienced trauma, and trauma is very real, and I've been hurt over and over and over, I need to protect myself. And I'm not going to trust or let anybody try to love me because as soon as they say, because this is what's difficult, the people often that say that they love us are the ones that hurt us the most. So people mm-hmm. are really confused in what love and hurt are and why would I want someone to love me whenever that's abuse. Some people even pour hot oil over the edge of the wall when exactly. people are trying to climb With up. With some fire or something some fire. going into that. <laughs> yeah, They are not letting anybody in at all. And, and, yeah, and, and I have clients that are like that. They have built this fortress around themselves and they are not. And then they, t- and then they, ha- they say... And God doesn't love me. Well, yeah, because you built this fortress. You're not letting that love in. You're not letting that love you're in. You're not letting any love in. And that's, again, if you're, you know, out in the dating, in the single scene, especially, you know, if you're post-divorced and, and kind of middle-aged, oh. let's say, or whatever like that, there is all, I mean, there, there's a fortress on every corner, right? Everybody has been hurt, especially women, but men too. But they've had their heart broken. And in 90, 90% of the cases, I think it's not, never their fault. They've been cheated on. They've been living with a narcissist. They've been manipulated. And they just have their heart hurt so much. Well, and they've been open and pouring out love Completely. and wanting love back and getting yeah. these little trickles. And, and then been, they finally put the fortress up and go, that's it. I'm done. It's easier because it, it is. It's easier to live with no love than to live in this degree of hurt because I've been there. And, and, and I'd rather not feel anything than to feel just excruciating pain every single day because it's like hell. It really is. I, and, I believe it. Yeah. And I felt, I mean, I've had my heart broken and, and it's, it sucks for sure. But I think the thing that you have to understand is when you, you know, put up those walls and build that fortress to keep the pain out, you also don't let the love in from anybody. You block it. God. You block it. And, and what's interesting then, so think of it like the fortress. I don't let my love out also. Right. So how am I going to have a, a significant relationship? So we have all these wounded people with these fortresses up in these singles wards and, and they're expecting to find love and connection. That's we'll all that is is fakeness. I'm, I'm faking fake. this because I want to find somebody because I'm so needy because I'm so lonely. I blocked all the love from everyone, including God's love, which is the greatest love. And I just want something. And so I believe if I go out there and I please somebody or I change myself or I put up this great act that someone's going to love me and the fortress is going to come down. But the only person who can take it down is me. That's true. And if you've been in the LDS specifically, and this is maybe true with other church cultures or whatnot, but in the LDS culture, if you've been out there in the dating scene, it is fake. There's a lot of fakeness, fakeness out there. And uh, I know that that's one of the things that's really turned me off. And it seems it's to the point where I'm thinking this is what the culture is all about, which is narrow minded and it's limiting. Oh, did way. you just go into the narrow minded otherness? I may, I, I may have been guilty of, uh, of those kinds of uh, thoughts and that sort of thinking pattern. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's easy to do that when, when you see the same thing over and over again. So you have to step back and have the bigger picture and then, and, you know, and kind of bring your faith into it and see. But it's, it's very, very real and I get it I mean I understand especially women women are sensitive and and very you know beautiful and very spiritual and when that gets violated they don't want to ever experience that again no and they they, I've seen men too men will typically withdraw and just not date at all and kind of hole up in their little man caves I don't know how you can do that and not come out again I mean I get it yeah you might have gone to your man cave here and there well I mean maybe I mean it just it it sort of depends when you know I I think you get to a point where you get hurt it's like okay I have to 
I have to just recharge. And regroup. But the intention is to get healthy, whether it's just recharging or whether you have to have therapy or whatever it is, but you have to just feel like I'm ready to take this on again and then get back out there. The intent is there. And and in that, now it's taking the fortress down before I get out there, allowing God's love in and feeling that because then people will feel that from you. And that is the truth. And that's where feelings are speak the truth more than our words or what we try to fake out in the world. Exactly. And, and it goes back to our boundary series. If you listen to that, we had an episode on fences and walls and the difference between that and walls are the fortress, right? They're impenetrable. They don't let love in. They don't let pain out. They don't let, uh, you know, pain in or anything like that. It's just, you are completely just shutting yourself off when really what you want to do is have a fence, instead of a wall, instead of a moat, right? With because alligators with and, alligators. and, yeah, and no, burning oil. Yeah, just have like fence with like little chickens running around or something, you know, birds and innocent animals like that instead of alligators. And Because you, you, yes, you have to have that boundary. The fence is the boundary like a wall, but the fence also is breathable and it has a gate that opens up so you can let love in under certain circumstances, under right. certain circumstances with God, within the boundaries you set. Right? There's not even a fence. I don't need a fence with God because he will never hurt me. Ah, uh, that's true. He will always that's love me. Yeah, and that's an interesting one too, of fully open, willing to submit, and that's turning my will over, is when I get to that place, oh, now we just went into that really deep one of turning my complete will over to him because I trust him and I love him and I'm willing to do whatever he tells me to do. And that's that ultimate change of heart where there is that's no hard. fence around my heart. It is hard. That's really, really difficult. You know, Alma talks about that change of heart and it's an amazing thing, uh, you know, if you can pull it off and we all can, it's just a matter of choosing to do it, but it's hard. It, that, that takes a lot of faith because you don't, a lot of people I think struggle with seeing themselves being able to change that way for whatever reason, right? They may think that I'm not capable of that. They may think I don't deserve that uh, or I don't deserve to be that happy or I'm just not that person to be able to change. So interestingly enough, in my my last CEU class, um, they were talking about in Buddhism, it's the same idea, turning your whole will over. And it mostly hinges on pleasure that I will have to give up pleasure if I do that. And I thought, oh, that's Mm, a lot of what it is. Like, ooh, what am I going to have to give up if I do that? All these things that I love to do that are pleasurable, if I turn my will over to God, I won't experience Mm. those anymore. That's exactly, uh, I think we've talked about this in some other episode in the past as well about me personally. That's one of the things, I think that's the main thing that's keeping me from completely going all in the gospel. I absolutely live in a state of maybe it's a bit of scarcity, maybe it's a fear of loss, which is not right. And I understand that, but it's sort of, I look at that and think, oh, I'm going to have to give up the things I really love. But look at the payoff of, you know, what, what you receive back is so much greater than what you give up. Right. But what I'm still stuck on is I think I need to change and become these people exactly. in the church who act a certain way. And I ha- in order to be all in the gospel, you just have to become that person. And it's like, that is not who I am. And that's, it's not true. That's not true. It's not truth. But I, this is what I feel. And this is this, the challenge I face. Like, this is the concern that I have about myself is that oh, I've got to start acting this way and acting that way. And and I don't want to. Or my concern is I'm going to be like Job, like, all right, I'm all in. And then the big test and trial comes. Yeah, I don't want that kind of a test. Yeah. And That's it's tough. like, okay, and now my life is like Job. And I don't think Job's life was very pleasurable for quite some time. I know. That's scary. But, you know, how it ended, not ended, but I mean, like, after that massive trial, right. it turned out to be incredible. He got everything back and everything was great. And, but you know, it's worth it. But, yeah, having I think having the faith and the vision to see down the road 
right, is tough for a lot of people, myself included. All right, let's move on to the second truth. We have heavenly parents, father and mother. This is very distinctive to the LDS faith. Very much so. In fact, to the Catholics point where, would yeah, no, yeah. no. Even even just God as a father is a is a really kind of you know it's thin ice kind of thing because again, and this is what this is one of the things I didn't understand about being a Catholic is I think you know Catholics will believe that God um, is just this spirit. It's strictly, it's just a spirit. It's almost like it's a feeling. It's almost like it's Mm -hmm. just something that exists like air. And, you know, saying that God has a body and is a physical person, you just cross into some blasphemy there. Oh, yeah. Even though, even though our scriptures, the Bible, right, it says we were created in the image of God. Well, look at us and what does our image look like? Well, we look like human beings. So God, wouldn't it make sense that God has. looks like that? He has a body like us. That That's what didn't make sense to me. And people can't explain it and they don't want to explain it because there's all this fear that you can't talk about God. You can't blaspheme about what God is and what God isn't. And he's arbitrary and he's going to hate you and you're going to go to hell but, if you do that. But this is again like whenever we move into parents, now we're talking about that we also have a mother and wow. this is so, yes, yeah, so new to a lot of people. Um, the doctrine of Heavenly Mother comes by revelation, and it is something that is now kind of blowing up, and we're going to not talk a lot about it, but get get into just some basic what... We'll Remond. do another episode on it, but yep. for today, we're just going to put that bug in your ear one step at a time because we don't want to blow your mind, I think, with it. But yeah, this I'm, I'm wondering how many people listening are just thinking, oh, they're going to hell. Those people are going to hell. There's no such thing as a, a Heavenly Mother. Especially those who aren't in within the faith, but think about it. It's if our life here on earth is patterned after a spiritual system, it would be a system of a heavenly father and mother with a spiritual family. And that's exactly what we pattern after here on this earth and and we learn from. And it makes a lot of sense. That's what the problem is, is people think that this earth is one system or it's one way to, to, to set up a certain way. And it's completely different from everything else that exists all around us in the eternities, in the pre-moral existence. But you think about it, we all, as Christians, we all believe that we are spirits of God. And why would it not, why would it not be patterned after it? Because we're here to learn and grow. And why would I learn and grow from something that's completely different than where I came from? It doesn't make any sense. But we all believe that God is our father. We all believe that we are children of God. We say that. Every Christian religion says that God is our father. We, you know, we pray to him and the Savior as our father. So if he's our father, why, how can we exist without a mother? Because they're eternal truths. And if you look at creation, there has to be an you know, eternal father and mother to create a spirit body for us to be right, able to, tell, to we, have our intelligence in. Right. Just, like, just like the truth, and it, it will never change and never has been changed, there has to be things from a from a earthly father and mother right. to create life. Is it possible for a man on earth to create a baby just on his own? No. Of course not. That's not possible. So what was that patterned after and why is it that way if it's not like that? An eternal right. truth. Right. And this is our, right. So God and, and uh, his wife, I don't know what you want to call it. <laughs> God and his wife. Uh, I'm God. This is my wife. This is God. So yeah. <laughs> we, we just went into the, to the uh, maybe, maybe smart, this is where smart I'm going to Yeah, exactly. exactly. Smart ass, we at your service. <laughs> Drop of a hat. Ding. Yeah. Just, uh, just yeah, hit the app and, and order it. It comes right up. So, uh, there's another t-shirt. There's another t-shirt. Yeah. (laughs) I'm telling you this impeccable merch idea really has to happen. We've got lots of great ideas here. Obviously people would just be buying this stuff and wearing it. So, right. The idea of, uh, it just, for me, logically, it makes sense that 
you know, how can we, we believe that God is our father, in fact, that he created our spirits and our spirits inhabit our mortal bodies while we go on this journey through life. And we believe that we're going to be resurrected and have an eternal immortal body, but it'll, it'll still be a physical body. It'll just be perfect. It mm-hmm. won't ever change. So how, how does God create those babies, those spirit babies without a, a, a mother? Well, right? spirits for them. Okay. And this is where the eternal truth comes in. And remember, we're speaking to the women this evening. That's who they're speaking to. That women understand that whenever they're exalted, they're exalted just like a man is, that there is a a heavenly father and a heavenly mother, that they have divine destiny and eternal destiny just as a man does. So important to understand that, that women play an intricate role in in eternity and in divine destiny. It's it's equally as important, if not more important, I would say in some cases. But the problem is we don't ever talk about it, so people don't understand the importance of it. Now, will you explain exaltation to you know people who are like are not LDS who are listening to this, just like our what that means in terms of from our point of view from exaltation exaltation what does that mean well we have and we have it means a lot of things right. but basically you know we're all resurrected that they're going to be where and we're going to get into this wherever we have lived our lives and made choices and and been able to have this agency is going to determine where we end up after this and exaltation would be to live with heavenly father and we want to be with our heavenly father and heavenly mother kind of like whenever you're a little kid you always want to go home to mom and dad sure it's fun to play with your friends but i remember the first time i went to summer camp and you know you think oh this is gonna be so fun i'm gonna get away from home but by the end of the week you're kind of like ready to go home to your parents yeah, it it's, is. i mean it's a natural thing it's a very instinctive thing to do that and we are separated from our heavenly parents to be here on a journey for our own progression, to learn, et cetera, and do all the things we have to do on earth. But the goal is for us to return to live with God. Right. That's and, the whole thing. And interestingly enough, in all religions, that is really the goal is to return home to live with whatever they use as that word. That I want to return home. There is a longing for home. In Buddhism, even, there's a longing for home of I'm going back to this place of that I came from, that I long to have this peace and love and feeling that, and here we are in earth in our little family systems, again, experiencing that exact same thing. And that's patterned after eternal Exactly. Families. We and, still right, have that longing idea. to return. As we get to be adults, we realize, oh, there's a bigger picture in this. Right. And, and the, I have parents and this is, this is the amazing doctrine for those who are, this may be a new concept that we do, that we do have a heavenly mother and that women have a purpose and a plan. And there is a goal for you also to become this eternal heavenly mother. If you have the, the celestial, yeah, you have for celestial anyone. glory within that. Right. It's something again that we would have to choose to do, which is the way it should be, but it's, it's available to anyone. It's, it's uh, independent of your beliefs it's independent of your circumstances on life it's independent of how much money you have or how popular you are doesn't matter doesn't matter at all if you are you know here on this earth you chose to to follow that plan be here and so you've earned the right to have exaltation if you want it right and if you look at the roles of heavenly father heavenly mother and pattern them after here on the earth you know, men go out and provide. They're the nuts and bolts. They're the person that kind of make thing, things happen. And that's where they execute. And they are the person who says, this is the way things are. And women are the nurturers. And it would be the same with Heavenly Mother. She takes care of the spirits. She nurtures them. She teaches mm-hmm. them. She loves them. She, you know, it, it would be the, and that's why we have these eternal roles of what we, we would choose to do after this in exactly. this life. And I feel that I should say that that is not expected 
regardless of your situation, that, that kind of paradigm. That's very common. It's very common for a lot of people in general. Most, a lot of women, you know, feel the need to stay home and that's fine. But having a career as a woman is oh, wonderful. No. It's an amazing thing. And, and that's, so the, the problem I'm talking is, in the family unit though. Right. It's, yeah. But the problem is in, in, from a cultural point of view in, in our churches, there's a lot of, again, there's just all of this uh, subtext that women should stay home, right? They should fulfill that role as a nurturer, and that's just not possible or of interest for some people. And, and that's I'm totally not shooting fine. on them, but it no. is. But it is that. But people believe that when we say that, that, we don't want people to think that we believe that this is the only route for a woman. Not at all. No. 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 It's interesting though, as I work with children who, like from CPS, who've been taken out of the home. None of them, not one of them, ever said, "I want to go back to my dad." They uh. all want to go back to their mom because they were they were grown in their mom. They have a connection to their mom from the moment they're conceived. There's a bond that you can't get with your that's dad. That's it. And there's a bond with Heavenly Mother that's different. And it's, it's something. It's the same thing. It's the same idea, exactly. And I'm not saying that they're not going to be the only nurturers, but that is e- an eternal principle. And again, a principle here on earth, the mother always is connected to them in that way. And we always want to return to our mother. It's, it's by design. It's inherent. I think every woman will tell you that she can understand that at the very least, or if she doesn't actually feel it. But that's how women are created. That's a beautiful thing. That's an amazing thing. And, you know, the, the reason that we have families for several reasons, but one of them is that it gives us a way to experience on a, on a small scale, but to experience nonetheless the type of love that Heavenly Father has for his children. And we can't really experience that without having children of our own. But it's God saying, here's how much I love you. I want to give you an idea of what that love looks like. It's a very limited. It's a very mortal kind of thing, right? But it's amazing. Nonetheless, we all know if we have children, you know how much you love your children. You know how much uh, incredible, how, how they change your life and how beautiful they are. And that doesn't change. Nope, it never will. And in this, um, and we're not going to talk about this, we're, like we said, we're, there's, there'll be another podcast on, on Heavenly Mother. But it, we have a lot of speculation right now in the church. And he talks about that it, it, speculation will not lead to greater spiritual knowledge, but leads to deception. And it diverts our focus from what is truly important, that whatever's been revealed about Heavenly Mother is exactly what God wants us to know. And that we can't force that to happen. And demanding revelation from God about this topic is arrogant and unproductive. That I know that is really interesting to me, actually. And uh, it's, it's you know just kind of preparing for this episode. It made me think a little bit about how I look at that. And um, you know, we're all we all want things. We all want blessings. We all want results. We all want. I want to be happy. I want to be happy. But we we feel like hey, our happiness is dependent on getting this in my life or getting past this trial, I know it's going to bring me happiness and we all have desires and goals and we're told to pray about our, the righteous desires that we have and the things we want in our life. There's nothing wrong with that at all. And I, I was thinking, you know, am I demanding things from God when I pray, you know, or, or am I trying, am I more like what I, sh- I think what we should be is just allowing God's plan to unfold. unfold. And to be able to understand that, and, and at the same time, we still need to ask for the things that we desire, mm-hmm. right? Because God, God just isn't going but, to just give us everything. But it doesn't say don't ask. No, it doesn't it say says, that. It says, I'm demanding revelation. Right. I want revelation. I want to know this. I want to know these things. Right. I want to know what the truth is about Heavenly Mother. I want to know. That's not for and us. And I do. Like, you know what I mean? And so that's what got me thinking is I'm, I'm thinking, am I demanding? Because I, I, uh, I, I mean, I really want to know, you know, who my next person is going to be, like who my next wife is going to be, right? And where, where I'm going to find that happiness. I mean, I want to know that. 
But at the same time, I understand that it has to unfold in God's time because that's what's going to make me the happiest and it's going to be worth it. And, and, and you know, we have to wait for the, the right stars to align for the situation to be, to be perfect. And I just experienced that kind of, uh, of, of awakening. Awakening, it's an awakening. That kind of, uh, yeah, it, it was for me just recently with, uh, with a, a really wonderful uh, new job opportunity. That was like probably the biggest blessing I've had, at least financially and temporally in my life. In your whole life. Right. And it right. came, you know, kind of unexpectedly, but it was all about the timing. And I'd been wanting, I mean, I, I started, uh, I would say, job searching eight months ago, I would say, when things started. And nothing worked out. And then finally something worked out, but it wasn't exactly what I wanted. It was okay, but it definitely helped me in the situation I was in. And then a few months later, this thing happened. And it was absolutely just nothing stopped it. it What's just interesting though is it was bigger than what you had been asking for. And yeah, if we can wait true. upon the Lord, what we will be blessed with is far greater than what our our understanding ever can Completely, be. Completely, yeah. And that's where the faith comes in. It's like, hey, listen, if you just know that God will bless you beyond your expectations, beyond your dreams, if you just have faith for one thing, but also just wait on his time, which is the hardest thing for me. I'm very impatient when it comes to that. I'm learning and I'm getting, but the more you see these things happen in your life, the stronger your faith becomes though, the more you're able to recognize this is how God's system works. This is how his formula works. And we have to just let that play out and it's always going to be worth it. So I'm really trying to have that same kind of approach to dating and to finding, you know, that, that companion who's going to bring you the happiness that you want. And it's going to happen and that's great. And it should happen for all of us. But that got me thinking, am I kind of demanding like, hey, bring me that person now? I don't know that I am. Maybe mm, you might I, be a little impatient in that. I'm definitely impa- impatient for sure. Demanding, I'm not sure if I'm. I don't. I don't feel like I'm demanding in my prayers because I'm trying to humble myself and say, hey, listen, you know, I'm, I want to be open. I want to, to, to let thy time. I know that you know I'm frustrated with who I'm. I'm involved with, or I'm frustrated with not finding somebody that I want to be with, or whatever the case is. I'm frustrated with all the kind of the, some of the crazy people that are out there as well that I've, that I've seen in the past in my life, right? All these kinds of things. And you can't seem to quite find the one that's perfect for you. But I, uh, it, it's, I think it's good to be aware, am I actually demanding or am I really just working on my, being the best, you know, to be able to be faithful and, and just let that plan. And unfold. allowing so it. Yeah. So it's yeah. a good question but to ask con- yourself. Continuing to be obedient, continuing to have faith, <clears throat> no matter how long that takes, but having the works, because faith without works is dead. Well, yeah, you have to get of, out. We talk about this all well, the time. You have to get out and, and date. You, you have to do. go meet people. You have to put and yourself out there. And it's painful sometimes, yeah. but, yeah, but doing it. But the small and simple things, too, of I want to be blessed with this, so I'm going to be obedient, because through obedience comes those blessings. Mm-hmm. What does the Lord ask me to do? It's very small and simple. You know, to attend church, to study the scriptures in whatever way that is, to attend the, you know, attend the temple. To pray, like communicate, to to talk with him, develop a relationship with God. And again, you know, coming from a Catholic background, that's not something that's possible. I mean, people don't believe that it's possible. They feel like, oh, I'm not worthy of that. I've got a priest. I've got to talk to the priest. I've got to confess to the priest. I don't confess directly to God, for example. And again, it's just kind of disjointed in the way Completely disjointed. It's wrong. And the problem is it stops people from having the experience that God wants you to have. And a connection with God. Yes. And a belief in that God is the one who takes my sins away because the belief is the priest takes my sins away. And you're living completely underneath your privilege with that because you have the right to have an example with, or excuse me, have a relationship with God and to have, you know, feelings for from God and to be able to talk to God and receive personal revelation about your life from God that you can actually communicate with God. But, you know, a lot of faiths, 
will tell you, no, that's not how it works. And God, you know, is too busy, right? And we don't talk to God and he's, he's way on a pedestal out of our reach and you have to go through these channels to do it. And it just makes people feel like they can't establish that relationship. Well, it's, so we, it's too regimented. It is and it's very. too logical. And it's not based on a spiritual truth where you find the truth for yourself. They want to spoon feed you the truth, which again comes into, oh, just spoon feed me. And I'm going to follow some Instagram or someone else who's going to spoon feed me as opposed to me going to church and feeling and asking and knowing for myself. That's always what the prophet will tell us. Ask. And in the scriptures, ask and you shall receive. Knock and it shall be given unto you. The knocking means I'm there. I'm at the door. I'm knocking. I'm asking. I'm asking the Lord. I'm not asking someone No, but else. you have to go to the Lord's door, right? You right. Don't not wait to for someone to else's come, door. Or not for the Lord to come to your door and just say, hey, knock, knock. Here's your perfect woman or here's your I perfect job that. or whatever. I kept telling him. The guy <laughs> could show up on my doorstep. He would just need a, a cardboard sign. It didn't have to be anything fancy. I'm the one. I would have totally been okay with that. that totally fine. Never happened. Didn't happen. Probably not going to happen. So it's just kind of creating that perspective and, you know, it's getting out there and doing what you can to to ask and whatever that means for you. You've got to take action. But it's the same with means. your job. You were still searching. You were asking. You weren't mm-hmm. needy for it that I I don't need it, but I'm asking and I'm willing to be open and I'm willing to allow the Lord to work in my yeah. life. When same that headhunter called me, I didn't say, oh, actually, I just started a new job two months ago, so I'm right. not interested. He's like, hey, we've got a great opportunity. Do you want to hear about it? And I said, absolutely. Let's tell me what it is. No harm in listening to what's going on. And then just everything fell right into place as quickly as you could ever imagine, you know, with a, with a, with a wonderful offer, an opportunity that was greater than I've ever seen. And it just was God's plan and the time was right. And it was just a matter of waiting for that. To and happen. it's the same with these talks. If, if you read conference, it's here are these blessings that you can't imagine that you can receive. And you go, you know, I just, it's really hard to understand. I don't know about all of this, that I have a divine nature and that I have all of, I have divinity within me. Eh. I, I don't know how to live up to that, so I'll just stay where I'm at. Well, that's the thing. We, we've said this recently on other episodes, too, that, you know, we, as we talked about, we are spirit children of a Heavenly Father Which and a Heavenly Mother. the next point, right? That's, it is, but it's we have... the third truth. It is, but we, as a result of that, we have spiritual DNA going through our bodies, right? And so, yeah, you have every right to believe that you are special, that right. you so are I'm, a child of I'm God. I'm going to give the quote for that one. Yeah. The third truth is in the opening paragraph of the young women's theme that we have a divine nature... That was from when I was a kid, too. This is intrinsic to who we are. It is spiritually genetic, inherited from our heavenly parents, and requires no effort on our part. I have this spiritual DNA in me. Some How people call that? it stardust. I mean, again, if you look at other religions, other beliefs, I have stardust. I have this divinity within me. All of us do. Oprah says it all the time. It's, this isn't a truth that only we believe in. Not at all. We it's do. something that's, that's universal. But it's like winning the lottery. It's literally just given to us without any effort, right? Because we're made that way. We're made as spirit children of heavenly parents. So we have all of that divinity inside of us. We don't have to work for it. We, we can't even get rid of it. No. And the hard part is whenever I'm a child of parents that marginalize me, that put me down, that demean me, that manipulate me, I have a difficult time believing that because I see my worth as what they've told me. It's letting go of all of those belief systems of the bully at school or if you had horrible parents or the your teacher. Your mean old girlfriends. Your mean <laughs> old girlfriends or the kid that beat you up. Or the teacher, whenever you got a bad grade on your paper and she gave you the look and you're like, oh, I'm not smart. Or whatever it is in your life, letting go of those beliefs and you understanding and knowing the truth that I have divinity in me and I'm this, whoever you are, amazing, wonderful human being. No matter what my capabilities, I have this capability to become a God. I love it. We're reading C.S. Lewis, the Chronicles of Narnia, and the first one, the man who becomes king is 
this peasant. Because, and Asland, who represents the savior, says, do you have the ability to love these people? Yeah. Then you're the, you're the ruler. And he doesn't have to be someone special. And he just doubts himself, like, I don't think I can do that. I'm just a driver. Like, I, 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 I don't have sure. anything special. But that's the truth, that you can it's, become a king. That's what C.S. Lewis is telling us. You have this divine potential that you're not tapping into. Right. You can become a king or a queen. I mean, that's a figurative speech it's like saying man it represents everyone right everyone. women everybody well, has women and can his become queens. wife comes and is the queen and yeah. she's very simple also but it's yeah it c.s matter. lewis has these great eternal principles yeah. woven through all of his books he was a mormon he didn't even know it he, he was <laughs> he was <laughs> he's looking down from heaven and smiling right now yeah, <laughs> okay yeah. the fourth truth is we have an eternal destiny same thing we've been talking it will not be forced on us and we've presented this before at death again we're just reading this because we're back to truth again at death we will receive what we have qualified for and enjoy only that which we are willing to receive if i don't fit i'm not going to be sent to there I'm willing to receive this. Realizing our eternal destiny is dependent on our choices. It requires making and keeping sacred covenants. The covenant path is the way we come unto Christ and is based on absolute truth and eternal unchanging law. And there's the podcast like we're looking for absolute truth and eternal unchanging law of where what is truth and getting down to that simplicity. We cannot create our own path. I'm going to go off and make my own. I'm going to forge my own path in my four-wheel vehicle and expect God's promised outcomes. To expect his blessings while not following eternal laws upon which they are predicated is misguided. It is, but you can see how that simple divine truth completely uh, exposes the the problems with the culture of the church because the culture will tell you, right, that there is only one path to follow, that you have to go on this eternal path. But it's, it's a man's path. It's this, yeah. this person has come up with this idea. It's right. my path or you're wrong. Same with parents. Here's my path. I took it. Now I want you to take it too. And your kid goes, I don't want to take that yeah. path. They get mad at them. They well, ground so the them. They tell them. kid grows up in a family of lawyers, right? You're going to be a lawyer. And, and then, yeah, but then it's like, I want to be an actor. Like, <laughs> you know, but I'm going to, I have to go to law school because I'm being forced to do that. Same kind of thing. It's not good. That, that should never happen. I mean, people you know, are, are forced into this, this, you know, round peg into a square hole mm-hmm. kind of situation because they have, feel like they have no choice. That's exactly how the culture talks to us. And it, it comes from an angle of, of love and, hey, we want the best for you. And we, we all know that if, if we all choose this path, we're all going to be happy together. Ooh, ooh, that's not ooh, right. You just crossed into choose this path of happiness. Okay, wait a minute. Because there's, there's no other happiness. There's, right? there's God's no other path, path right. but God's path is up to me of how I decide to go along. It it. It's the same as the iron rod. And what a great story in the book of mormon everyone in the iron rod is going at a different rate some people are you know moving quickly some people are slowly some people are wandering off some people are looking to the great and spacious building did he ever say there was a right or wrong way to get to the tree of life and and god's love i mean the the impression people take is that hey there's this one path you have to follow the iron rod right you have to fall and hold on to the railing and walk this skinny path because there's darkness and fog all around you and so I think, again, the underlying subtext is, well, there really only is one path. If you're smart, you're going to take it. If you veer off, well, you're going to be lost and too you bad might. for you. Right? You might. Uh, you, you might, for sure. But that's, again, that's the choice you make. And that might be the path you need to take for your own personal progression. I think, again, people forget that we are here to progress and we all have our own path that we need to follow. We all have our own experiences that we have to have in order to progress on an eternal level. And that might include taking paths that are undesirable to some people. It doesn't make you a bad person, especially if that's a path God wants you to be on. I mean, sometimes we get forced onto a path. 
Well, we, people might argue God wouldn't want me to go off the path, but God will never make you stay on the path. No. If he would have, there would be big walls on either side of the path and you'd be like a herd of cattle going right. down the cattle chute to the tree of life and to God's love and to the Savior. <laughs> We're not cattle. No, and we've just taken agency out of the equation. Exactly. And that's that, and right. that will Again, never that's, happen. That's the problem. There's this, and that's, it is the culture is based on a foundation of fear where it says, hey, if we don't follow this path, if you don't follow the iron rod, you're going to get lost and... And we're going to tell, we say, hey, I told you so. And, and let's even, that's it. Let's even go back to the Savior's example of the 99 and the one sheep. The 99 decided to stay in the herd, but who does he go look for? The one. The one that didn't stay with the herd. Right. But that one person is important. So within that, does the Savior say to the sheep, you never should have wandered off the path, bad sheep? I don't no. think so. No. He finds it and loves it and takes care of it and... <laughs> Brings it back into the fold. Now, yeah, it nurtures it and brings it back to right. the fold and says, I love you just as much as the 99 that stayed. And that's our example. And it's not for us to say to that sheep, bad sheep. No, yeah, you're you, the black sheep now. Yeah. Right? It's not at all. And you're not welcome. Right. And that's literally what the culture says. You're not welcome because I don't want you to influence me and pull me away too. And that's their fear-based as opposed to welcome back. We love you just as much because you wandered off, if not more, mm-hmm. we're going to feed you and we're going to nurture you and bring you. What's well, the back prodigal to the son fold. parable? Same as thing. well. I mean, the son How many, chose. There's to a come lot back. of those, though. Oh yeah, for sure. But that's the thing. I mean, you, you know, the the son chose to come back for one thing. He wasn't forced to come back. He had all these experiences that help him realize certain things about himself, and that I think forged the decision to come back. And then he was welcomed with open arms because he made a great choice. Well, he wasn't not only, shamed. Not only did, was he welcomed, he, the father ran. Yeah, and gave him the best of everything to celebrate and, his return, which was a beautiful thing. And he was never judged by his father. He was judged by his brother. brother. But that's, I mean, that's that guy's choice, right? He can choose well, to judge. And that represents the culture of the church completely. again. Completely. And where the father that. would represent God, uh, where he's, he welcomes him back. He never judged him. It was just so amazing. And we have to go off on our, on our journeys. This is what people don't understand is that we have to, at certain times, go off on a path for our own benefit. Sometimes we just have to learn the hard way. Sometimes that's the only way we're going to learn. But think about how smart you become. Think about the experience you gain and, and how much better you are once you do that. And sometimes it's not pretty and it's not ugly. And we have this problem in the culture where it says, you can't do anything bad or wrong because that's going to hurt you and take you away from God. <laughs> and they don't give you the chance to learn and to grow and well, to progress. And it's like saying Satan made me do it. There's no shoot that Satan takes us down and says, hey, you're going to go down this path and you have walls on either side and I'm making you do it. He, no. The devil doesn't make you do it. No, it's total shite. He doesn't, it is. he can't do that. He in influences, any way. he he doesn't have the power to do that. No, that was one exactly. of the boundaries that God set exactly. for him. He is, he is there to tempt. He's there to provide opposition. But one of the things that's very clear is he can never, ever make us do anything. His, right. his goal is to make us or help, help us to use our agency. But it's this blame. I want to yeah. blame Satan. I want to blame my parents. Well, if my parents would have had more money and I would have had this opportunity, I would have turned out different. No. You know what? You choose and whatever you grew up with is is what God gave you and what you went through, and now you're still choosing. Yeah. And that's always going to be the case. Right. We'll always um, have agency. And then he talks about the outcomes of being a heart doctor and people following the protocol. Whenever they follow the protocol that has been tested and tried, they will have better outcomes. Same within our life. Here's the protocol. We have these things set in place. The prophet tells us every conference, every six months, we're reminded, if you do them, you're going to have better outcomes. If right. not, 
eh, you know what? Well, it's your choice too. And you know, that that's, we should be given that choice. And sometimes, sometimes we need to make those choices and learn the hard way from that. But it's, it comes down to the shaming. I mean, the, the problem is we get shamed for, for making those for choices. Making those choices. And it, there's nothing to say that we can't make a different choice and come back, right? And, right. and that, again, this, I think, is why these messages are repeated every six months or every year in conference because people are at different stages where they need to hear it. When again. I didn't need to hear it six months ago, but now I need to hear it again. And, and sometimes, you know, you hear it once. It's like, ah, oh, that's crap. I'm going to go make whatever choice I want. And you go through and you have an experience and you learn something. And then you hear the message again. It's like, you know what? Yeah, I do need to come right. back because that makes sense. And, and he doesn't change the consequence. And again, God is no. telling us. And that's what Renlund says. We are free to choose, but we cannot choose the consequence of not following the revealed path. And then there's the scripture that which breaketh a law and abideth not by the law, but seeketh to become a law unto itself cannot be sanctified by law, neither by mercy, justice, nor judgment. We cannot deviate from heavenly father's course and blame him for inferior outcomes. I went True. off the path and then look what happened. It's all that's this and there fair. must not be a God. No. Well, well, that's accountability. And again, that's something that the adversary is, in my mind, he's trying to destroy for one thing. And where you have a culture of non-accountability if you just look around, right? People don't want to be accountable for their actions. They want to be able to choose whatever they want. They want you to accept their choice and they don't want to be judged for it. And I, I understand that, but it's, it's not about judgment. It's about being accountable and being responsible. And that's where things are evolving, right? Where we don't want to be accountable for our choices. We don't want to have consequences for our choices. We want to do what choice identifies who we are. And we want to be able to make the choice that we want to make that makes us happy, or we think it makes us happy. Or we just want to be this or be that or do whatever. And I don't want any consequences. You know, I want to commit a crime, but I don't want the consequence well, of that's, that. I want to go you home can't. and have a piece of chocolate cake, but can we make it calorie free? Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Okay. <laughs> that would be interesting. I wonder. People what, have tried that. They're called, yeah. it's called diet food and it's really gross yeah, and disgusting. disgusting but, yeah. but it's interesting that man tries to fake things into that. I want, I want to eat this and not have the, the repercussions or the consequence. Right. I want to go out and have, you know, sex with a hundred people and I don't want to have any sexually transmitted diseases or have these or I don't other, want to feel bad about myself. Or, right. I don't guilt. want to hurt anybody. I don't want to feel guilty and yeah. that's where they harden their hearts and, and then their past feeling and that's whenever they don't feel God's love again so they just go out and keep seeking to do that or they fill it with whatever, alcohol, drugs, food and it's because they don't feel God's love we're back to that again or understand their true nature that I'm not listening to the divinity within me. And inside my divine self is just hurting and saying, you know, you can go on trying to fill it, but it's never going to find the truth because you know the truth, because we do. But it's starting to be mindful and listen and dig and find and, and be it true is, to it. Yeah, it is. It's interesting. There's lots of forces out there that are kind of motivating people, I think, to take a different path or, or to, I mean, what we just talked about is how advertising works. Basically, totally. it's like, hey, here's a solution and you don't have to worry about this, this consequence anymore. Or here's an easy way to lose weight. Here's an easy way to get rich. Here's an easy way to do this or that without the pain, without the work, without any consequences uh, at all. And that's just how, you know, our natural man instincts are wired. And that's, you know, what works. That's what sells, right? All these kinds of things. And, you know, that's great. But it, it's destructive in a lot of ways because it creates a false hope in our, in well, our lives. Well, it's destructive in that it's also eating away at that truth and eating away at that call to be true to myself and to want to return to my Heavenly Father. Because you know that feeling whenever you've gone out and done something and you have to go home and look your mom in the eye. Oh, yeah. And, and that's the exact thing of like, if I were to meet God today and if I were to look him in the eye, what would I really feel? And inside those people, they know. 
they that part is still in there. They know what they would feel, and they go, yeah, but that's not that's they kick the can down the road. That's not for a long time. It's not going to happen today. And, or, and, I, and I get that, but that's also I think a shaming technique that the church uses. The people will say, hey, listen, you know, if the Savior came into your home today, what would he see, and what, how would he feel about you? And I mean, I get that, but there's also but, some shame in that. But I'm too. not trying to shame people. No, I'm simply I'm saying the saying, culture does use right, it that way. I'm simply saying if I were to meet God today, like I were to die, and He looked me in the eye, what would I really feel about myself and where I'm at in my life? It's a great question to ask. I mean, it's taking inventory. It's a very real Every day. thing we should be doing. I agree with that 100. percent Every day, and really feeling, am I living in accordance what He wants me to live? Be living the truth of myself and who I eternally can be with that divinity in me. And that's where personal revelation comes in and trying to live and be a disciple of the Savior and live like he did. Because for him, he was checking in every day, and he was very mindful, and he was here to serve only God. There wasn't anything in it for him, which again, for us with the natural man, he was part God. For us with the natural man, it's like, wait a minute, but what's in it for me? I want to look good. I want to have... That's how the world works. It's all about that. It's very difficult to let go of that. It is extremely... In fact, that's interesting. I always always marvel at at how unwilling people are to let you serve them. Unless they're Mormon, of course, they fully expect it and they take advantage of you. But other people who are not Mormon, if you want to help somebody, you see somebody like moving into your building and you want to go over and help them, they think that... You know, you must want something from me, or I'm going to oh, have to pay you, or I'm going always. to have to give you something, or I owe you now, and I don't want you to hold that over me. When really, you know, you're honestly doing it out of the goodness of your heart, but it's it's very natural for people to think, hey, there is something in it for you. Otherwise, why would you ever offer to do anything for anybody you don't even know, right? Because unless there's something in it for you, and that's how people are wired. That's it's how the shame. world works. It is how the and world works. And if I don't pay shame. you, I feel guilty that you've done something kind for me and I haven't paid you. Right. And, but and it was that's, never about that. And that's where we missed the boat of, I do people, things kind and loving for people because I love them and I, do. I don't need anything back. No. And that's, what's one of the most amazing things about our particular church that I can speak for. And it's, it's again, not, we don't own the market, uh, on, on service and, and doing kind things for others. We see it every single day. Uh, especially now when the world is in such turmoil, people give selflessly all the time to perfect strangers, and it's wonderful. But it's that—that that is culturally in the LDS Church a big part of it because we understand the love of God, we understand service, and we understand that and we sacrifice. get more out of sacrifice. Yeah, and these are laws that commandments; these are even covenants that you know, if you go to the temple, you you covenant the law of sacrifice, right? That right. you're willing to give everything you have to build up the kingdom, or to help other people, or to to sacrifice for God, whatever it is. So it's more intrinsic in our DNA to want to be able to serve selflessly and that's a wonderful thing that's one thing about our culture about our church and our mission is that we have that and it's genuine it really is it should be genuine and for the most part with LDS people it really truly is but how wonderful is that because there's no greater feeling that I find than when you serve someone selflessly the joy and the happiness you receive in return is greater than any payment they could ever give you yeah and the last the last and I totally agree the last paragraph I really want to give a little bit of time to um, as I strive to qualify for exaltation, qualifying mean I've made these choices, I've had my accountability, I've made and I've chosen these things, and this is what it adds up to. I cherish the gift of repentance and seek to improve each day, which we talked about last week, President Nelson with his, you know, this is how we get our spiritual motivation or spiritual, you know, physics, the physics of getting things moving and going forward and forward momentum with this that 
daily repentance is required. And it talks, it has a great quote um, by President Nelson. Too many people consider repentance as a punishment, but this feeling of being penalized is engaged by Satan. He tries to block us from looking at Jesus Christ, who stands with open arms, hoping and willing to heal, forgive, cleanse, strengthen, purify, and sanctify us. When we sincerely repent, no scar remains, no spiritual scar remains. No matter what we've done, how serious it was, or how many times we repeated it, as often we repent and seek forgiveness in real intent, we can be forgiven. And it's it, amazing. It's a truth. It and is. if I really understand repentance, going and repenting is not a punishment. Punishment is to hurt me. Repentance is done out of love. And and I love myself enough to repent and to say, I do need help. I, I do struggle with this. I I need your help and your support and the and your grace and the sacrifice that you've given as a gift to me to completely heal. Well, that all comes from, you know, people, when you, when you repent, people feel like, well, then I have to admit I've done something wrong. I have to admit that I'm not perfect. I have to admit that I made a mistake and that I've sinned and that God isn't going to love me and I, you know, all these things that I'm and, and, and but that's, that's just not even the point with all of this. Repentance is a beautiful gift that we've been given and guess what? We all sin. Every, we talk about this all the time, right? We all sin. We're always going to sin. That's part of being human. There's no way around it. That's why we have the atonement. Just take you know, good faith and, and comfort in the fact that we have an atonement that has already paid for everything you'll ever do. And just work on you know, repentance coming from love and saying, you know, I, I love God enough to want to repent. I know that I missed the mark on this and I learned from it. And what a beautiful thing to know that I'm not going to get punished for this, but that God can forgive and I can repent happily. But truly, that's when the punishment ends. Because as soon as I repent and I turn it over to him, I'm for, you know, the forgiveness. It's gone. Right, it's gone. And again, God doesn't have to forgive us for the sin, but the forgiveness comes through my repentance where I'm no longer held accountable because I've turned my, that over to him right. and I don't suffer. But if I don't repent, then I have to suffer like, you know, what, what he did. And right. that's because of my stubbornness, my unwillingness to, and that's where you'll have to eventually account for those sins. If exactly. you don't repent, be for accountable them. for so it. So do it now and get it done and just understand, like, like just visualizing your mind, the atonement, just, you know, opening up and swallowing those mm-hmm. sins and they're gone. They're out of the and way. And it literally is like that. It's like taking yep. them, whenever I have people visualize it, taking it from their heart center and they turn it over to the Savior and it's taken and it's completely gone. It's a, it's an energy that moves out or a block or those things, that wall that moves and it's ability for now for the Savior to give you. And again, it's done selflessly and we don't understand that. You mean you want to take this from me? What do you want back? Well, completely. That's Nothing. again. That's a natural man. Well, no. but that's a not, that's a clear misunderstanding of what the atonement is, and right. that's why we're going to do a whole series on the atonement right. as well to clear that. But people don't get that, and that's a shame because you're missing out on these beautiful experiences you can have, and you're creating all this undue stress and pain on yourself. That oh, I have to to take on this pain, or if I give it, if I, I to give pay it to the God, price. yeah, I got to pay the price, and so I don't know if I want to do that. So maybe it's better if I don't do anything, and just torture yourself for no reason. Right. Or if I don't come to you and ask for it, then I'm not partaking of it, which is burdening you, which we've talked about. Oh, yeah. But yeah, we're yeah. here at Easter weekend. We're, we're recording this at Easter weekend. And it's always that reminder of that infinite atonement that, you know, as we come into this, you know, him dying, suffering in the Garden of Gethsemane and then being raised again from the dead, that faith that they had to have all of those people that followed the Savior, that he would rise from the dead. And, uh, and we have that faith, too, that he is our Savior and just that solid testimony, which helps us understand our divine nature and how our divine nature is totally dependent on the Savior. 
and it always comes back to him and that will always be a truth and it will always be the way that God works is it had to come through his only begotten son and that whoso believeth will perish, not perish, but have everlasting life. No, it's beautiful doctrine, and you know it, it's it's a shame I think that people don't understand it as much as they should understand it, uh, because it just changes your life. You know when, when you really do understand that, and it's it's a beautiful, happy experience. It's not, you know, words like punishment, right, and and words like pain and all these things. It's kind of a Catholic word, I think. Very much so. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's steeped in punishment for sure, and it's it's miserable and it's it's hurtful and damnation and, to your oh soul gosh, and yeah. fire and brimstone. And again, that's not the doctrine. It is this gospel of love and coming back to that truth is you know for those who choose to leave god still loves you you know you don't have to be a certain religion or a certain socioeconomic status or god will always love you and you still have that divine nature and eternal destiny and it's now what you choose and you can always choose to come back to him and partake of that I believe that. And I think there's always going to be, um, I wouldn't say infinite, but there are definitely more opportunities to to grow and progress to whatever level within the gospel that you want in the next life as well. Some people will just go through this life and they won't really, you know, partake of the blessings that they, they're available to them. It doesn't mean that they can never be in a particular kingdom or never achieve certain blessings or be exalted. I think that it's going to be, it's not a one shot deal. I don't believe, I don't no. believe that if you don't, you know, get married in the temple in this lifetime, that you'll never have no. that chance. That's but the they've fear. they've never taught us that, that you have to, because no, again, they haven't. But the well, culture but, teaches that. But Joe, it, it's understanding too. That's why we do work for the dead because what's bound in earth is bound in heaven. And so if you don't go through the temple, then someone's going to do your work for you. And right. that's where we serve others because we right. love them and, and it's bound in earth. And so it's bound in heaven. Right. But the problem is with the, again, the culture just, what you know, people want to get married. Okay. You have to get married in the temple. You have to do this first. You have to get married in the temple. You have to go through and make your covenants for eternity. So then they think, hey, once you do that, you're locked in. It's done. My job is done as your bishop. We can walk away. Everybody's happy. It's like, oh, we've got an entire lifetime to live together. We may even get divorced. And, I don't know, right? So and this is autopilot. And, yeah, it is. and it's and going on autopilot, and that's not mindfulness. It's no. mindfully aware that now that <laughs> now that I'm sealed, the real journey begins. Of course. And there's mountains and hills and valleys, and it's going to be like 115 or it's it's going to be 30 below and it's going to, it's not going to be this. It's going to be easy. No, yeah, no I'm not, not all. cruising it was never meant in to my be. Lamborghini from no. here to the other end. Well, well, no. Right. And, and I mean, that, that doesn't do us any good. How do you learn when everything is just like an open boulevard of green lights, right? That, that, that's your life. That, what do you really learn? How do you really progress from that without the challenges? And, and that's how it's meant to be. But I think, you know, with a lot of leaders in the, in the church, culturally, they think their job is to get people to the temple. And once they accomplish that, then their job is done, and that's fine. That might not be the right step for that couple or that person at that time in their life. But they feel like, I have to do this, or I'm not being a good member of the church, or I'm somebody's project, and they're going to keep on me until they finally accomplish that. Then they're going to take great accomplishment in this, and then they're going to leave me alone. But again... They take great accomplishment in it, which means I'm turning the glory to me and not to God. Well, yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's, that's the just problem. loving people for where they're it at. It is, but that, that, the problem is not only that part of it, but the other side of the coin, the perception that people take away when they're treated that way, right? It's right. just like, well... You don't love me for no, who I am. You want no. me to be this person, and then you'll love and me. And that's what being in the church means. I have to be like this, or I have to follow this path, or I don't get loved, and this sucks, so I'm leaving. Right. And that's so wrong. And when but, we go back to the talk again and go back to the truth... That is not the doctrine nope, that we not go one, back not one to. Bit. And that's why the podcast is here, to open our eyes <laughs> to this. Well, actually, just to kind of get through the, the filters of the culture and just present the simple truth the way it was meant to be 
presented by God. Like it's just pure truth. And that's all, it's not more complicated than that. And, you know, we don't want to complicate it. And unfortunately it is being complicated. So we're trying to, to bring that, uh, you know, to light and, and, and get through all of that. And it's okay to put aside the culture of the church and just focus on the truth for what you need in your life from it and have a great experience with that. So there we are. Okay. Good talk. Good talk. Good podcast. <laughs> good podcast episode. That was a good one. So um, I hope that was uh, you know uh, insightful and uh, eye-opening for you guys. These topics are just incredible to me, and uh, I'm always learning. Every you know, anytime you study the gospel in any way, you you seem to learn something from it. It's just this living, breathing, dynamic type of thing that you'll always be able to take from it the more you, you study it and the more you get out of it. And so, you know, our, I think our takeaways today is, is really to understand that we have a true divine nature, that we have divinity within us. And what a beautiful thing to know. What an incredible piece of doctrine just to understand that God truly is in us, in our hearts, in our lives. We have an eternal destiny. Every single person here who's ever lived or will live on the earth has an eternal destiny. Well, I guess we all do. It just depends on where it's going to be. Even those who didn't choose to come to this earth, they have an eternal destiny as well. Uh, Not a desirable one, but it's, it's a destiny nonetheless. But the point is we all here struggling through this life and going through our mortal journey uh, there's a lot to, uh, to to really look forward to. Uh, there's an eternity of blessings and beautiful experiences and love and uh, no stress and no pain and no punishment and all these good things. So just keep that in your mind and think about that. Think about the things that we talked about and what the real truths are about your own personal divine nature and your destiny. And think about um, you know where we came from in terms of our eternal parents. And, uh, you know, put your prejudice aside or whatnot and just maybe think about, uh, you know, what it means to have an eternal mother and what that may look like. And you might be surprised at, you know, some of the thoughts that come in your mind, some of the revelation, the feelings. And I go back to feelings. It's always about feelings with you, right? Is that truth? And and the Spirit will testify to you. It will. And it's a beautiful thing just to ponder these doctrines. And and we hope we were able to ignite that uh, in in each of you. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, We love our, 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 um, I was going to say readership, but we don't really have (laughs) readership as much. Our listening Uh, ship. Our listening ship. Uh, all of all of our tribe here, uh, it's it's beautiful to hear the uh, messages and, and compliments and uh, feedback that we receive from people all the time, and uh, we want to keep that going. So uh, tuning in next week for another exciting and thrilling episode. And in the meantime, keep the faith and keep your stick in the ice. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Impeccable Perspective Podcast. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Amazon Prime, iHeartRadio, and wherever fine podcasts are sold. 